Yeah, we we used to record in person, but then COVID since yeah, yeah. since COVID. <laughs> Wait, was was Stephanie's actually? It was shortly. Oh, no, it was yeah. Stephanie's was one of the first we did like remote. Okay, yeah. I don't know how many episodes you've done now with remotely like fifty or so. Wow. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish, and I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by Tux, the other half of Beyond Reproach podcast from America. Would you like to introduce yourself a little? Hi, I'm Tux. <laughs> I'm the other half of Beyond Reproach. Stephanie's been on before, but <laughs> I'm I'm her other half, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what episode was Stephanie? Stephanie's was like 32, 35, 35 or something around that. So if people remember that, Stephanie was co-host of a podcast called Beyond Reproach. We actually also played Beyond Reproach's uh, promo a few maybe like a month ago in one of our episodes. Oh, cool. Um, so you might recognize it from that as well. But yeah, tell us, is there like, yeah, I don't know. Do you have like a short, like, if someone's like, tell us a bit about yourself, what is... About myself? Yeah, yeah. Just like anything really. Sure. Yeah. So outside of podcasting, I am a uh, product photographer and food photographer, and I work for a kitchenware retailer doing some kind of like web design and web store maintenance. I'm married. Uh, my husband, Russell, just owns a couple hair salons. And I have two dogs. I live in Brooklyn. I don't know. Let's see what else. Are the hairdressers open? So, yes, but not fully. They have to run on, I think, 50% occupancy. And he's taken a bit of a financial hit just because, you know, they can't book as many clients as they used to. And they have to take all this extra precautions and buy all this extra you know, cleaning supplies and stuff, but they are still open. Yeah. They were closed like back in last spring, they were closed for like three months. Yeah. Ours, ours is, how's, yeah. Maybe it's similar. Like it's been closed for about three, four months now. Okay. And still is. Yeah. If you didn't get from that, where are you uh, based? Brooklyn, New York, a neighborhood called Bushwick, sort of North Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned web design as well. I'm a, I'm a, like a web developer designer. Oh, cool. That's my, uh, yeah, full-time job. I'm not like super, <laughs> super proficient <laughs> at it, but I've had to sort of figure out how to do it just because I was tasked with building a new website when, when the store that I work for switched POS platforms. Yeah. But it's all like what I did was all through templates and then just kind of like okay, yeah. customizing templates. No, but still pretty cool anyway. Yeah. But yeah, beyond reproach. <laughs> yeah. Tell us for those who don't know, like a little bit about what that podcast is all about. Sure. Yeah. So Beyond Reproach is a show about political scandals and scandalousness in American history and especially American politics and political history. We say scandals and scandalousness because not all of the topics that we talk about were actually scandals at the time, uh, but then sort of like looking back at them from a lens of like how things are today, those are definitely scandalous stories, but even though they weren't scandals at the time. So most of it's like, originally we thought, you know, this is going to be about like drug scandals and sex scandals and like the things that you hear about on the news, the, you know, like yeah. a mayor of a big city, like having prostitutes or whatever, just because of who Stephanie and I are, it's sort of turned into this other separate thing where we talk about like systemic racism all the time and, and just sort of what's wrong with American politics and how we got there. Yeah. Is that, uh, how long have you been running that for? Or like, when did it start? We're in our third season now. So it started, let's see, I think the first 
the first episode aired in the fall of 2018. I was going to say, like, as well, one thing that they have quite unique to them is they make cocktails each episode to the particular era or around the scandal, I believe. Yeah. So we do two stories in every episode. I tell a story and Stephanie tells a story. But whoever goes first sort of like sets the sets the tone for the episode. And so if my if if I was going first and my scandal is from the 1960s, I would research what cocktails were really popular in the 1960s and pick a cocktail that we can drink along with the story to kind of set the mood. We make them, we drink them. It's a lot of fun. I'm a, like I mentioned, I'm a photographer. So I, I get like really kind of go all out like with garnishes and all sorts of stuff. And yeah. I photograph it and put it on our Instagram too. Yeah. yeah. What's the best and the worst cocktail you've had? Or you made? <laughs> That's a good question. The worst, I think the only one that neither of us really liked at all was a dirty martini. And it's funny because both of us liked those when we were in college, when we were younger, both of us like thought that it was really fancy to drink dirty martinis. So we drank them all the time. But now, you know, Many years later, we went back to it and we're like, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> like, what, what was wrong with us when we were in college that we liked this? Yeah, because Dirty Martini is quite a well-known, yeah, yeah. A well-known cocktail. And we tried like different, different amounts of olive juice to see if like it would be better or worse with less or more. And it's just not, <laughs> it's yeah. not super great. I don't know. Not, you know, no shade to all those Dirty Martini lovers out there, but it wasn't yeah. for us. Do you just stick to the one cocktail per episode? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just do one. So most of the time, both stories aren't from the same era, but we just use whatever, whoever goes first to sort of set the cocktail for the episode. Yeah, because I was wondering if I, if we ever did a podcast where we were like, or I anyway, Hamish doesn't drink anymore, but okay. if I was like properly like drinking, if like <laughs> the episode would turn out any good or if I, by the end of it, I'll just be like, slurring my words and there's been a couple that (laughs) there's been a couple that we get we get pretty tanked the longer they are it is sort of a long format show because we are telling two stories and then we do like a little bit of a cocktail history segment in the beginning too so some of them run pretty long and by the end of those there was one where stephanie got (laughs) stephanie got really mad when it you know when we listened back to it because she was totally like messed up by the end and now she's like super embarrassed and doesn't ever want to drink while we're we're, while we're recording she's like i'm only gonna have a little sip now what episode was that one oh man i have to think back it was i believe it was this season but i can't remember exactly what episode it was huh oh it was our halloween episode this year uh Uh, so it would have come out in in october of 2020 and it was funny because she actually knew a lot of details about my story and she was so drunk that she was starting to like tell the story for me <laughs> i was like <laughs> i know details about this that you don't though because because i did the research <laughs> <It's> my story <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was funny and then yeah hamish said like your best one as well that one was really good we it was called a monkey gland it's made of gin and orange juice grenadine and absinthe and Stephanie loved it. <laughs> that's why she she drank so many of them. There was also one that we did recently that's called a sidecar that was really popular in the 60s. Cognac and lemon juice and what else? Triple sec. And that's okay, that yeah. was really, really good. The names of cocktails always, uh, they just seem really random. I don't yeah. know. Is, do you know, if, is there any like 
relevance to them? Or? It kind of, it depends on when the cocktail was made. You know, because we're telling stories from American history, some of the cocktails that we're making are from like 1820. Or, and, and generally, the older they are, the weirder the names are. There was one that we had, I think that was from the 1700s, that was called a hot ale flip, but it had this like extra nickname that people called it a crambamble. Okay. (laughs) What the hell is a crambamble? But, and it was also a really weird cocktail. It was like brown ale, but you heated it up. So it was hot. Heated. Yeah. Brown ale with molasses and rum and an egg, like a whole egg whisked into it. So it was kind of like thick and frothy, but like sweet at the same time. That's nasty. It sounds gross, but it was actually really good. It kind of tastes like a, almost kind of like a, a flavored latte, like a gingerbread flavored latte or something because of the molasses. It was, we both were like, this is going to be disgusting. And we took sips and we're like, oh, okay. And it's got, it's got a, I don't know, the protein. If Yeah. Like still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, you're yeah. In, if you want to hit the gym. Did you also have the middle bit of the egg? I forgot what it was called, like the middle bit, the yellow bit. The yolk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other bits, the white, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a lot of more modern cocktails, especially if a, a frothy cocktail like a sour does have an egg white in it, but this, this cocktail had the whole egg, the white and the yolk. It sounds really weird. I know that it sounds really weird, but it was, <laughs> it was surprisingly delicious. We, we ended up having two, two or three while we yeah. were recording. Have there been any that you've like had for the first time on the show and then you've been okay, yeah, this is really good. I'm, it's going to be like my... Yeah, there's, there's been a few. There's a, an old cocktail called the Vieux Carré that's from New Orleans. Okay. That has this like weird, like really specific kind of liqueur in it called Benedictine that's like kind of hard to find and kind of expensive. So I have this bartender friend that ended up giving me a little bit in a jar from his bar because I'm like, I don't want to spend... on this like giant bottle of this liqueur that I need, you know, an ounce of to make a cocktail. And then we liked the cocktail so much that afterwards I, I ended up going out and buying a bottle of it anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. No, that's cool. Was the cocktail thing? And was that idea from the very beginning? Like, was that something you've always. Yeah, we, we did that from the very first episode. We ended up doing it because we kind of knew Stephanie and I are both kind of shy, quiet people usually, uh, or we were before we started the podcast. So we're like, we kind of need to drink a little bit to sort of loosen up and it'll make, you know, it'll make the show more fun for, for us to record and for the listeners if we're a little tipsy. But then I also, I have a food blog and I love food history and, and I love to like research old recipes and stuff. So I was like, what if I did historic cocktails to go along with it rather than just sitting and like drinking a glass of wine while we're recording. Yeah. Cause originally we were like, we'll just drink and that's, you know, that's the extent of it. But the more we thought about it before we actually started, we're like, it would be really fun to do historic cocktails that match with each story. No, I, I yeah, I agree. I think as Hamish said as well, it does add like a really nice kind of unique kind of twist to it. Yeah. You don't have video, right? No, we don't. Yeah, we don't record video. A, a lot of people tell us that we should try and put it up on, on uh, YouTube or something, but <laughs> we are still kind of quiet, shy people and we're <laughs> getting over the, the first hurdle of hearing our voices. Even in the beginning when we first started recording, I, we don't do our own editing. We have a friend that does it for us. And when he sent us the files back when they were recorded, we we're like, this is so weird. 
Like I hate hearing my own voice. We finally gotten over that, but I think seeing ourselves talking would is just too much. Eventually we might get there, but for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're in a bit of a similar boat, but like more on the side, like, cause we edit it all ourselves as well. Oh, okay. So then, and that's already quite long editing the audio yeah. uh, ourselves. So then editing video along with it. That's exactly it. Increase yeah. Increase the workload a lot as well. If it was just like, if, if we just had to have a camera on and that's all it would be, hmm. I, we might, we might want to do it, but to have to edit it along with the audio and try and make the same cuts and everything is just a lot, a lot more work. Oh, what about like videoing, like how to make the cocktail kind of thing? That's that a good idea. Cool. That actually, that could be a really fun way to incorporate some video without doing the whole show. Yeah. yeah. Also, there is possible that maybe like at the beginning, once when you're about to sit down and record, you just take a sip of it together on camera and then yeah. use that as like your, you know, in the post on Instagram, you make, you can have the second slide as like a, the yeah. second thing of the post. I'm not, I don't know the Instagram terms. So if anyone knows, <laughs> just feel free to correct me. The second thing, you could just have it as that, like you're having that unique cocktail sip. And then that's like your second part of the post, maybe or your third part, whatever it is. Yeah. That could, that could be like. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. In the beginning, we used to do Instagram stories while we were making the cocktails and we kind of, we kind of stopped doing that, but we should get back into that at least. Yeah. We, we've actually been told by a lot of people that we should get on TikTok. Yeah. There isn't really much for us to TikTok really for like our, just how our thing works. But I could see that being like a quite a cool, uh, TikTok. Yeah. It could fit into a TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie just joined TikTok, you know, with, with our podcast handle. But at this point, we're sort of just like lurking and watching other people's videos. And <laughs> yeah, putting yeah, content yeah. out ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember as well from Stephanie's episode, found it quite funny how she kind of said, I don't know if it was like a complete joke, but she mentioned how she just didn't really like politics or like the current politics. Yeah. And yet you guys have a politics-based show. Yeah. So I think what she kind of meant by that is that current politics, or at least at the time under President Trump, it's really hard to watch what's going on in the world. And it's really painful because you're not looking at it from a lens of like, I know what happened. I know what's going to happen because it's in the past. This is in the present. And you're kind of like, everything is scary. This guy is a fucking madman. And we don't know what's going to happen next. So it's easier to sort of like look back at a, at a story that happened years ago and be like, I know exactly how this played out. And we know, you know, what the consequences were or, or whatever. We both do love politics and we both follow politics pretty closely. But Trump, <laughs> Trump was a really stressful president to live under. And I think part of the reason we even started the podcast in the first place was so that we could. Yeah. have an outlet for our love of politics without paying too close attention to Trump. <laughs> yeah. I remember her saying that actually. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask as well, like you usually, obviously we don't experience it firsthand, but like in your particular case, like you may be more due to experiences. Like, have you ever been like threatened or like pressured by anyone as a result of your political things you said on your podcast? Because you, you talk about politics a lot and yeah. we, obviously we obviously know we hear about it, but we personally never experience it. Yeah. Have you ever been like, if you can, if you want to talk about it? Sure. We have, we have had some, some kind of like trolls and people that have kind of gone after us for our beliefs on, on social media. But 
we've never had anyone that was, you know, super serious or scary. There was one post we did kind of back in the beginning and we did, I don't even remember what the story was, but we put up a post about something about slavery and some like crazy white supremacist dude came, was like really going after us on Instagram. But we, you know, we just blocked him and that was sort of the end of it. <laughs> yeah. The, um, so the premise of the show, as you mentioned, you have like, you come up with a story and Stephanie comes up with a story. Yeah. Yeah. What's been one of your like favorite? I think actually both of our favorite episodes was a story that I did about, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you even heard about this being a scandal over there, but for some reason here, this was like a huge, huge deal. And it was just so ridiculous that telling the story was really funny. President Obama, okay. I think it was in 2012, maybe wore a tan suit and gave a press conference in a tan suit. The fucking internet blew up and everyone was freaking out because he normally wore like a dark blue or a black or a dark gray suit. And everyone was like, what is this tan suit? He thinks he's so casual, like coming out to talk about like a serious topic in a tan suit. And people were flipping out. And then there was this crazy politician, like this super right wing extreme, like white supremacist dude who tried to say that this this tan suit was a signal to the Middle East that America would be weak on terrorism. And we're like, okay. <laughs> what? what the hell are you talking about? So at the time we were like, this is ridiculous. You guys need to just calm down. But then a few years later, with a little bit of distance behind the story, to go back and sort of research like the the way it all played out and how the how the media picked up on it. Because at first it was just like, oh, we're used to seeing Obama in a blue suit or a black suit. It's weird that he's wearing a tan suit. And then over a couple of days, as more and more people got to talking about the story, it turned into this ridiculous thing where like Vogue was putting out articles about like what it meant to wear a casual <laughs> suit and like all this crazy shit was going on. So to look back at it and be like, this is how it all played out. It was we had a lot of fun with that episode. Wait, what, what was wrong with wearing a tan suit? Like, I'm not sure I get Nothing. It. Oh, Absolutely okay. nothing. The, the reason it sort of felt out of place was because he never really did wear tan suits. He gave an interview at some point and had said that he liked to, he liked to take all the decision making that he didn't have to focus on a lot out of the equation. So he only wore really dark, serious suits all the time, just so he wouldn't have to think about what he was going to wear that day. And then for some reason, one day he wore a tan suit and everybody lost their shit because it was, <laughs> it was like seeing, seeing an actor out of character or something, you know? Yeah. But then looking back at it, lots of other presidents had worn tan suits in the past and a lot, a lot of tan suits. Reagan wore tan suits all the time. Both Bushes, President Clinton, they had all worn tan suits and nobody gave a shit. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it now and it, I don't know, I think he's rocking it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and all these all these like fashion magazines were like, "Oh, the suit looks terrible. It looks cheap. It's it doesn't fit him well." And it's like, that's not true. If you look at the suit, it's a good suit. And yeah. it was made by the same tailor who made all of his suits and had made all the suits for the other presidents from years before. So, the bottom line was it was a white supremacist who was trying to like make a big deal out of nothing. So it all kind of boiled down to racism because he was the first black president. Was it on Casual Friday? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Th or maybe it was on a Friday. I don't know. But it was just like he just decided to wear a tan suit one day for no reason. 
Did he ever like respond to it? The press secretary from the White House did kind of say something about it at some point, but I think by the time they realized what a big deal it was, it was kind of too late and it had already snowballed. But it's like, what are you supposed to say? I wore a tan suit. Like who fucking gives a shit? You know, he should have just said he should have said it means means something like <laughs> yeah, just make up yeah. something. <laughs> it's a it's a signal to the Middle East that we're weak. If he yeah. said something like you know it made my eyes blossom or something like that, like, <laughs> I would have just cr- I would have just cried right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stephanie was saying they were just pissed because he looked too good in a tan suit, and <laughs> yeah. all the other presidents that had worn them looked like looked like shit. So it was a crime that he looked too good in it. Yeah, how could they even claim that the president was wearing a cheap suit? It just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. American politics are crazy. I'm sure every, every country can say this, but oh, we're, it's bonkers. <laughs> Wait, and yeah. if you, even if you wore a cheap suit, surely that's better for the country. yeah yeah but i think a lot of it has to do with i mean this is this is kind of taking it in in a heavier direction but like straight white men have this thought that like whatever they wear it doesn't really matter as long as they look professional it doesn't matter what you wear whereas a woman has to put in so much effort to like look professional but not too sexy but not frumpy and you have to you have to find this like perfect balance of of looking professional but not provocative and this and that and the other thing. And so there's a lot of power in that for men to not have to do all that and then to turn it around and make the first black president feel like he has to do all this work on his appearance to look professional and without being attacked for the way he looked was a way for to sort of put him in a in his place. As you know, a lot of white people in this country have always liked to act like black people have to be held at a different standard. Yeah. So that's it's sort of just par for the course in the way the way a lot of black people are are criticized about the way they look and the way they dress in this country. Several years ago, there was a whole thing in the news all the time about like black men wearing saggy pants and how it was, you know, it meant you were like in a gang or something when really it's just like. That's just how they want to dress. Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. Like it's not, it doesn't really affect your life. How? Yeah, exactly. How, they, how anyone else dresses. Yeah. If you mentioned it a couple, on a couple of episodes in the past as well, I'm related to that. So if you want to check that out, one is oh, Rodini, really? Yeah. And one is by Olivia. Definitely worth checking out, I'd say. Cool. Yeah. So that's good. That's a bit of more for like, I guess, I know you spun it into, well, not spun it, but you gave, there's a deeper meaning to it as well. But yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's more, that was kind of more for like a fun kind of, I guess. Uh, scandal. The show is, it's interesting because we like to try and have fun with it. Even if it's a really, really heavy subject, we try to find some sort of levity. The drinking helps. (laughs) Um, But there's, you know, we've done stories about, about, I don't know if you guys know what the trail of tears is. Have you heard of that? Nope. Yeah, I know it's American politics, especially uh, in American history. The trail of tears just really quickly is, is this point in history where the states that were on the West Coast were trying to expand, or on the East Coast, I should say. The states on the East Coast were expanding westward. And at that point, there were a lot of Native Americans still living on the land. So the government basically, to like get them out of the way and make room for white people to, to, to settle those unsettled, quote unquote, unsettled areas, we just rounded up all these Native Americans and made them march like thousands and thousands of miles to some reservation way far away from where they had ancestrally lived. And a lot of 
Native Americans died along the way, women and children and old elderly people. They made them march in the winter through snow. It was really, really dark chapter in American mm-hmm. history. And Stephanie did a story about that, but we still, you know, I think when we get into those really dark sort of heavy stories, we try to find a way to make fun of the leadership that put those policies into place just so that we can have something that we can laugh at. I think it's important to be able to tell those stories and not just want to be like depressed about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to hear those things, but it's not necessarily fun to just hear it when it's super matter of fact and, and, uh, cold. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, for, for your listeners or, you know, even though the show is about American politics and American history, even if you don't care about politics, if you don't really love history, I think it's a really fun to a fun show to listen to just because of the way we tell it. Uh, I think there's some really important lessons that we're, that we're telling, but we do try to do it in a really fun way. And we're, you know, we're telling jokes, we're making fun of people. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, definitely. People should check it out. So that probably means it's a good time as any to play the promo you guys have made. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Karen rolled a clip. This is Stephanie. And Tux. <laughs> from the podcast Beyond Reproach, a show about political scandals from American history. But it's fun, we swear. The idea behind our show is that politicians and government officials are meant to be public servants. And their behavior should be beyond reproach. But if history has taught us anything, it's that a lot of politicians are total scumbags. So we decided to do a show where we drink period-appropriate historic cocktails while exploring some of the government scandals and shitty politicians of America's past. We are not historians. We're just a couple of drunks who never shut up and love history. We hope you'll join us on Beyond Reproach for some big facts, good laughs, a little bit of swearing, a lot of drinking, and a real good time. America's history is juicy. We just add gin. Yeah. Do you have any, have you had any kind of stories that overlap with UK politics at all? That's a good question. I, I don't think so. The only thing that, let's see. The only thing that I could say would maybe overlap a little bit is sort of like stories about when we were British colonies mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, having to pay taxes to England while we were, you know, while we were here. Oh, and there was one story that Stephanie did about opium in China. And uh, she was talking about how most of the merchants that were importing opium to China were actually British companies at the time, but then Americans wanted in on it because so we could make money too. (laughs) Do you guys have any like fun stories from British political history that could, you know, if we ever did get to a point where we had like a guest episode with someone that wasn't an American, is there anything that would come to mind that would be a fun story to talk about on our show? I was thinking like, I don't know like the history. So like, I wouldn't say I know anything pre like 2005 or something anyways. But I know enough of like some of the key factors, like for example, that affected me. So I would yeah. keep those in mind. And one of the big ones I would say that is always good like to kind of you could probably make a fun out of it and you know chat share about it would be when they upped the tuition fees for university from three thousand to nine thousand. Oh uh, wow! Because yeah. you can still make a joke out of that. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like yeah. you can still play on that in some way. They obviously made that more expensive, and they took cuts anywhere else. You know, like to the, for example, the healthcare system and so on. 
Yeah. So there's, I'm sure there's a play that could be done on it there, but I would need to research details before I even said anything on it because sure, yeah. right now my head is like blurred. What kind of thing <laughs> classify like classes as like a scandal? Well, that's kind of why we, we say that we cover scandals and scandalousness because a lot of the things that we talk about weren't necessarily scandals or probably don't necessarily fall under the, the term a scandal, but they're still scandalous to us. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of open to interpretation. I yeah, guess. it's like making it alleged. It's not really like it's yeah, not guaranteed exactly. to be like actual scandal. But yeah, yeah. When when you mentioned that asking about a UK one, like in our emails back and forth, mm. I was like, hey, I need to uh, yeah find <laughs> one. Um, but then I actually realized I watched a so recently, like last few months, I've been really into like watching just a load of like biopic films and TV series that are like retelling historic events. Yeah. I actually watched one, which I was Googling it and apparently it is one of the biggest UK political scandals hmm. that there has been. Don't quote me on that. But um, <laughs> the show is actually where it was on BBC iPlayer when I watched it and it's called The Trial of Christine Keeler. Um, okay. And it's also around a guy called John Profumo. Have you ever heard of it? No, no. So I've got a bunch of notes for this. So. <laughs> You can ask me questions, but I don't know if I'll be able to answer them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, he, so he was a British MP from 1940 to 1963. Okay. And he was appointed Secretary of War in 1960. Okay. And then a year later, he attended a party with his wife at like a large estate, like a very like fancy, a lot of people in like high places kind of thing. And at this party, a guy called Stephen Ward introduced him to a model, a 19 year old model at the time called Christine Keeler. Okay. Um, and this, this John Profumo guy, he was like mid forties. And basically one thing led to another and they developed a, an affair. They started having an okay. affair. Yeah. But at the same time, Christine Keeler was also in a relationship with a Russian spy. Oh, okay. I've got his name here, but I don't really want to, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be able to pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> and yeah, so that was going on, but it was all kind of like hush hush. And then mm -hmm. they ended the affair um, okay. later on in the year. But a year later after that, she was dating uh, another guy who got, who was like pretty violent and she ended it because of that. And he ended up going to a house and firing shots outside the house. Oh, and then shit. he got arrested. And from this, it gathered like a lot of press coverage. Like she was being like cross-examined and all that. And then the affair came out. She was having yeah. an affair with John Profumo, who was the secretary of war. As that went on, yeah. She was then called into trial, but apparently then she just went missing. Whoa. Christine Keeler. She actually ended up in Madrid, but there was lots of rumors going around that, you know, John Profumo and all these people like sent her back into Madrid to like stay away and like not cause like any trouble. Yeah. Because there was a lot of like this guy called Stephen Ward who introduced John Profumo to Christine Keeler, the model. He'd introduced a lot of like people in politics to other like, really young females. Oh, wow. And when that was going on in 1963, he denied having an affair, like in a statement and okay. Downing Street accepted it and everything. Then later <laughs> on, Stephen Ward was sent on trial for prostituting Christine Keeler and other young women. <sighs> wow. And then it came out that yeah. <laughs> this is, this is pretty long. I wrote too many notes. <laughs> She testified under oath that her, that she had a relationship with Profumo. Stephen Ward also admitted it that they both had an affair. And then Trump Profumo eventually then came forward and resigned. And in the meantime, as well, Stephen Ward ended up killing himself from an overdose of sleeping pills. Wow. And she was actually, when I was watching the, um, 
so it's like a I think it's like a four episode or six episode series on mm-hmm. BBC. And she was like Christine Keeler, the model, 19 years old at the time. She was like, yeah, the press hounded her. Sure, yeah. Really bad. And she was from like a really like poor family. I think her father left when she was like really young, um, didn't have a lot of money. But yeah, he, John Profumo had to resign. The prime minister then got a lot of like flack at the time and he had to resign like a couple of months after that. And then that's when Labour Party then, because I was a conservative party at the time. Okay. And then the next general election, Labour came in. Huh. That seems to be like yeah, that's one that huge. comes up quite a lot. <laughs> There's actually a movie on it as well. Okay. Called Scandal. Which Scandal. Is okay. Like a 1980s film. Huh. But the BBC, the BBC uh, series is pretty good. I what recommend. was it called again? It's called The Trial of Christine Keeler. Okay. I'll have to look for that. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I'll have to see if you can get into BBC America. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say as well, like, the thing is these politicians, I don't understand why they can't find anyone within their, like, a certain age range or, like, close to their own age. Like, I don't understand why they have to go for people, like, <laughs> minus 20 years, like, yeah, um, please, like, come on, a little bit of control. Seriously. Oh, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy story. A lot of moving parts there. When you said moving to Madrid, did they move her to Madrid during the trial or was this missing afterwards? So it was a trial of her boyfriend at the time and okay. she was then meant to go like on the stand. Right, I don't it. think, I don't think they moved her. I think from what the documentary portrayed, her and Stephen Ward were just like, let's go Madrid. Huh. They did. It wasn't like, they were the rumors at the time that they sent them to Madrid, but the kind of documentary kind of portrays it as like, they just didn't want to cause any more trouble. So they were like, okay, let's get to Let's stay out of it. Let's just go to Madrid. Yeah. Which then just caused more trouble, like <laughs> them doing so. Yeah. The only, the other political story recently has been, have you heard of Marcus Rashford? No. I don't know if it's patriotic or right, but this is heartfelt. This is heartfelt yeah. from us. I don't know. Hamish, do you want to explain it? Or? Basically, I don't know. I think you would give a better detail. I'll, I'll miss parts in that, <laughs> then I'm going to keep looping back. Basically, Marcus Rashford was someone who came up through not wealthy at all. Like he was basically like working class background. He lived, he came up on free school meals. So like here, I don't know if you have it there, but here, if you're in a worse background, you can apply for free school meals and you get free school meals during school so that you can obviously yeah. have your breakfast, lunch, and sometimes dinner. And also you get it during the holidays. Okay. And this is so that obviously the kid can get the nutrients. Oh, yes. I yeah. do know this story. Oh, yeah. yeah. My husband was just telling me this because he, I don't know why he, where he heard about this, but we have some really good friends in London, so they must have told him and he was telling me the whole thing. It's such a crazy story. Yeah. He like took pictures of what the meals that came actually looked like. Right. And they were, it was just like complete garbage. Yeah. So that was after, so that's actually quite late on in the, Oh, of, okay. There's been so many back and forth, like okay. between him and the government and he's a footballer now so that he's, his full-time job is professional footballer at the highest yeah. tier. So like he's doing this all at the same time. And recently it was basically like he got shut down by the government in terms of trying to make the change happen from them. So it's just about, I guess, the people supporting the cause and trying to make it so that every kid can eat Yeah. right now, which is a bit sad, but what can you yeah. expect from a conservative government, I guess? Yeah. But yeah, the thing oh, you were saying where he like took a picture, that was, yeah, they ended like that free meal scheme and then he campaigned to get it back like reinstated, okay. which he did successfully. And then from that, they, that was what they were kind of giving out those like meals that weren't uh, I see. much money. At all. I think they were saying it was like, it's supposed to be a 20 pound or 30 pound meal or food enough for the week or something. Yeah. But it was just like, 
Yeah, yeah. A few packet of crisps, a couple of bananas and stuff like that. <sighs> Have you seen the bits and pieces where the, all of their food in the 10 Downing Street is basically like on the house or whatever, essentially? So essentially on taxpayer money, but they weren't willing. Yeah. And that's like 20, 30 pounds per meal realistically. Yeah. yeah. They weren't willing to do that for the kids for a week each. Instead, Of course not. Yeah. And I was just like, there you go. But I'm sure enough of the people are hopefully going to keep sticking, you know, by a lot of people will support Marcus Rashford throughout. So hopefully kids, as many kids as possible can be fed, if not all. But fuck the government. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned this. Stephanie actually did a story on our show about a guy named Fred Hampton who, because we have that same or a similar program here that they're, you know, kids can get food while they're at school. And now, you know, because of COVID, they can go to the school and pick up meals. But our government didn't actually start doing that free meal program until after this guy called Fred Hampton, who was actually a Black Panther. He started collecting meals from grocery stores, you know, they were going to throw away stale cereal or something. And he started collecting all this stuff and giving it to black kids in poor neighborhoods that are going to underperforming schools and and basically turned out to show that the reason that kids were doing so poorly in schools was because they were underfed and they were having a hard time concentrating. So he was like, if you give a kid breakfast before they start school, then they they do better, their test scores are better, they can p- concentrate better in, in class. Mm-hmm. And then our government was basically like, well, if this guy is going to give these free meals to black people, we're going to do it for everyone. We don't want to be showed up by this, this Black Panther because at the time they were trying to paint the Black Panthers as this like scary, dangerous, like terrorist group, when in reality they were just trying to uplift the lives of, of poor, underprivileged black communities. Black Panthers are, they're still around, um, but they were really big in like the 60s. It was basically a civil rights group for, you know, for black Americans, but they had guns. They armed themselves because it's scary and dangerous to be a black person in America. Uh, So they armed themselves. And then the government was like, look at these black people that are running around with guns. They're these scary, dangerous terrorists. And we have to, you know, make America fear them. When in reality, all they were doing was trying to like lift themselves up and campaign for equality, you know, social and economic equality for black Americans during the civil rights movement. But because they weren't strictly nonviolent in the way some other civil rights activists were, they were painted as dangerous and, you know, terrorists when that wasn't really what they were. Actually, the story that Stephanie told, this was several months ago, but now they actually just put out a movie. Yeah, I was going to was about to say Yeah, that. it just came out. I think it's called Judas and the Black Messiah about Fred Hampton, who started this free breakfast program. And he was assassinated by the police because, you know, he was a dangerous troublemaker. So that Stephanie tells the story on the on the podcast. But if you're interested, there's also that movie about it that I haven't seen it yet, but it looks really good. Yeah, no, I've seen really, I've heard really good things about it. Black Panther, I didn't know. Like a year ago, Black Panther to me was just the the Marvel film. Oh, <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I watched what was it? Um, the Trials of Chicago Seven, mm-hmm. and it was a the founder, the founder of the Black Pan of Black Panther, Bobby Seal was a was like a character in it. Okay, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out too. Yeah, no, that's that's a good film to watch. I think cool. it's on Netflix. But yeah, any any other things you want to like mention about Beyond Reproach? Oh yeah, so yeah, we're on. 
you know, all the major podcast platforms were called Beyond Reproach. We called it Beyond Reproach. I don't know if that is like a, a phrase that you know as well as we, you know, that's sort of a common phrase here. It basically means like somebody that's that like they they're doing all the right things and they're, you know, they're as good as they possibly can be. And that was sort of the reason that we called the show Beyond Reproach is because in our minds, politicians should be public servants and they should be better than, you know, just some like random guy off the street. But in reality, a lot of politicians are garbage, (laughs) you know, so and like doing really horrible things. So the show is like, you know, politicians should be beyond reproach, but they're not. And history shows us that they haven't been basically some since the beginning. Yeah. People can find you like everywhere pretty much. Yeah. We're, we're on all the social media platforms. Most, I think most of our handles are beyond reproach pod. Okay, cool. Yeah. All links for that will be in the description too. Cool. Cool. We're most active on Instagram, but we do have, we don't really do anything with Facebook, but I think our, all of our Instagram posts like automatically post to Facebook. Yeah. yeah. That's the same with us. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one, one of the, I guess one of the big political stories over the last like six months or so has been the general election and the Biden versus Trump stop the count and everything like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Stop the count. Stop the steal. Yeah. (laughs) How's that? Like just, yeah. From here it's kind of like we're watching. Yeah. Everyone was like, Hey, we're we're like, we're like, okay, we're bad, but we're not that like America. That's kind of (laughs) how you see a lot of things on like Twitter or whatever. Yeah. How's it? Yeah. Being there. It's been a lot. It's like watching a soap opera play out over a long period of time. Hmm. It's been really stressful not knowing how it was all going to play out, but thank God Biden won fairly and and legally. <laughs> he got more votes than Trump. <laughs> like that's all yeah. it takes. But so Trump has been hit Trump had kind of set this up and he's been saying this since before the election even started. He's he's been telling people that. If he lost, it was because the election was stolen from him. Okay. It's so predictable and it's so corny and it's so easy to see through. His this veneer is so thin and frail. But people just there's a lot of really angry people in this country that don't really care about anyone but themselves and and anyone being able to do better for themselves other than like, you know, white people. So they kind of don't care that Biden won. And they want to steal the election from him and put Trump back in office. I don't know. Have you guys heard of QAnon? Do you know (laughs) what QAnon is or like kind of what they're all about? No. Oh, God. (laughs) It's it's a mess. The letter Q. Yeah. A-N-O-N. Like Q anonymous, basically. Okay. No. It doesn't even sound real when, (laughs) when you talk about it. Basically, they're this sort of like right-wing conspiracy theory group that only functions on the internet. They don't really have, there used to be somebody that was doing these like drops. They called them drops of information. Like something is going to happen on such and such a date and this is going to happen, but we, you know, super vague, super like open to interpretation, but basically what they believe, and this is, it sounds completely ridiculous, but is absolutely true and real. And it's, and they have a lot of political power in this country. There's this group of people who believes that there is a satanic cabal 
of elites functioning in the shadows who is into pedophilia and cannibalism. So they believe that all of these sort of political elites, the Clintons and the Obamas, but also a lot of celebrities like Tom Hanks, for some reason, is involved in this. Why why Tom Hanks? (laughs) I know, seriously. They believe that they steal young children and, you know, sexually abuse them or whatever, but then kill them and eat them to steal their like youth so that they can retain a youthful glow or something. And so, you know, like, so Tom Hanks can stay in Hollywood and look young forever by being a pedophilic satanic cannibalist. I swear that's like a Disney film where like the person like kills someone else to yeah, be young or something. exactly. Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense. But like tens of thousands of people believe this and they believe that Trump was appointed by God to stop this group of uh, satanic elites and save our country from Satan. And so in my mind, it kind of just sounds like, like people who are bored and watch too many action movies (laughs) are like, Trump is not like Jason Bourne. He's not, (laughs) you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense to me, but I really like, that's what they think. Trump is like a superhero 007 kind of a person. And he's going to, he's going to round up all the, the cannibals and pedophiles and put them in jail and kill them. And they like, these people believe that there are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Clones that a lot of political figures have already been arrested and tried and murdered, but their clones basically like took over their public life so that the rest of America doesn't get upset that like the Obamas have been murdered for their crimes against, you know, whatever. Isn't this ironic? Cause I swear Trump is known to be a nonce and they just buried that, buried it like that news. Yeah, absolutely. What's yeah. What's his name? The guy that was killed in or supposedly killed himself in prison, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. But now these QAnon people are really the ones that are leading the charge in this stop the, you know, stop the count. And then once the count happened, stop the steal, which is, if you haven't heard of that, stop the steal was like the next chant where they were saying that the election was being stolen from Trump when in reality they were trying to steal the election themselves Mm. because they think that Trump is God's chosen one to stop satan in america yeah that's crazy I've, I've googled it and it's they've got such a big wikipedia page it's cute it's huge there are so many weird little sub groups and and different people believing different conspiracy theories a lot of like flat earthers are also QAnon people and they also believe that covid isn't real uh and that it was just created by the government to control our minds and stuff is have you seen the it's recent, crazy recent I don't know if it's how much factual it is, but I've seen it. I could call it a BBC and Indian news channels where, where COVID supposedly came out of lab. Oh, yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. They talk about that a lot, too. The pandemic. The pandemic. I haven't heard of the pandemic. <laughs> yes, like pandemic. It was it was created in a lab and it was released on purpose to to control us and to get us to give up our freedoms to the government. That's why we need to get now vaccinated in it so that we can also be under the control of global and all the madness that there's. <laughs> a lot of these QAnon people believe that there's, there's a few different things that they believe 
Some people say that the the vaccine will alter your DNA in some way. I don't really understand what the, (laughs) you know, (laughs) how that's going to work or why that would work or what it would do. But then other people believe that there are microchips in the vaccine that will be injected into your bloodstream if you if you let yourself be vaccinated. And then, you know, these QAnon people are mostly white supremacists and mostly heavily armed. And it's really scary and dangerous. And they're sort of like the ones that were leading the charge when Trump had his like failed raggedy ass coup attempt a few weeks ago here. Well, I, I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but back in January. Yeah. 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 You know what's mad? Yeah, I, I did read a lot about like if it was black people doing that for Black Lives Matter, they, they would have just shot them because they didn't let them get close. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. I was yeah. like. And this is just a sad reality of this whole. It's fucked up, but it's totally real. Like when peaceful black protesters were in D.C., you can Google and find photographs of the intense police presence and National Guard presence protecting the Cape Capitol from people who were there just to just to march, had no weapons, had no ill intentions versus this group of white, crazy people with guns that showed up. And no one was there to protect anything. <laughs> they just let them in. Yeah, I saw, I saw there were videos like flying around online where when they were like storming the capital, some policemen were like actually like helping like. Oh, yeah. Them Opening get downstairs the gates for and them. get upstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's because yeah, a lot of people within the government believe in Q and are, are active members. We have people, elected officials in Congress who believe this and, and are active in the QAnon community. There was oh. one woman, uh, I can't remember her first name, but her last name is Loeffler, who had actually invited a bunch of fellow QAnon believers and gave them a tour of the Capitol building like the day before the coup so that they would know their way around. Oh. And is she like still? She's still there? in office. She's still there. Nobody's done a single fucking thing about it. It's madness. <laughs> this is why a lot of us have to stop um, just acknowledging politics and just know the key yeah. facts when they happen because there's not much we can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It's so, it's hard to watch. It's demoralizing. It's, yeah. it's, it's really easy to feel defeated. I, you know, that kind of goes back to why Stephanie and I started our show is because it was a way for us to like step back from current politics and be like, you know what? Things have always been really fucked up. This country has always been a mess from day one. And like, we can make fun of it because it's in the past. But the things that are going on now, I don't know. There's been some crazy shit that has happened here in the past too. There was a story that I did once on the show right before the Civil War, I think like less than five years before the Civil War. There was a senator in Congress who gave a speech against slavery. And in the speech, he, um, he really called out a lot of lawmakers from the South, called people out by names and was saying, like, these people are really horrible. They, they treat, you know, black people like shit and blah, blah, blah. And all these lawmakers from slaveholding states were really, really pissed off at this dude. So a few days later, a representative from some state in the South, I'm not sure, South Carolina, I think, showed up to the Senate with a cane and beat this dude's ass on the Senate floor in the Capitol building, beat him with a cane, like to a bloody pulp in front of people. The guy almost died. And this like legit 
it's in the history books and we don't really learn about this kind of stuff. I never, I was never taught that story. I had to find it out on my own. So I'm like, okay, like shit has always been messed up here and we got through it and we're getting better. And like, as history progresses, things, things have gotten better. So I I try to like use our show as a way to be hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. As you say, it's hard. Yeah. But yeah, Biden is in office now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, on the yeah on a maybe a a better note, Joe Biden. Were you more in a camp where like I saw a lot of people who's kind of split where they're like, okay, he's he's great, and then he's also like he's not great, but he's just better than Trump. Yeah, he's not he's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he's not my favorite option. He's not the person that I voted for in the primaries, but he is one hundred percent absolutely better than Trump. He it's like apples and oranges. I think that there were better options, but you know, that's in the past. He is the president and he has been doing some, some really great things. He's actually surprised me. I was not super hopeful that he would be doing all these great things so quickly and so uh, swiftly, but he has passed some really major legislation just in the past few weeks. What are kind of, yeah. What are some, could you name some? There, yeah, he. You have like the first 100 days, which is they're supposed to like outline. Yeah, they, they're trying to. Well, Trump basically didn't do anything about COVID. Like he, we were just running around <laughs> like doing whatever the fuck we wanted. And it was up to states. Thankfully, I live in New York State where the state governor takes things very seriously here. So, it, you know, we got our numbers. You know, New York City was really hard hit in the beginning, but we got our numbers down really quickly and we've sort of remained relatively low compared to the rest of the country. But, you know, as the vaccine became available, Trump like got some doses, but he didn't really, he was given the opportunity to buy more vaccine and was like, nah, like they didn't vote for me. Fuck them basically. (laughs) So thankfully Biden is now buying a lot more of the vaccine. I think he, I just read that he just got a deal to get 200 million doses like very soon. So the plan is that we're supposed to, within the next couple of months, it should open up uh, so that regular everyday people should be able to start accessing the vaccine soon. Yeah. Why do they have that? So like Biden won the election back in October, November. November, yeah. But he doesn't come into office until January. It used to actually be longer. The gap between election and inauguration used to take longer. It, like a hundred, more than a hundred years ago, it used to be in March that you would take office. So Biden still wouldn't be president if we went by that rule. I think it's just to give time to count and officially like designate all the, all the votes and everything, but it's also to give the old president time to like transition out and the new president to transition in. There's supposed to be like a method that this all takes place. The, Mm. the incoming president has a transition team that works with the outgoing president and his team to sort of like take power slowly and, and put everything into place and take time to appoint new cabinet members and all this kind of stuff. It played out a little bit differently this time because Trump refused to admit that he lost. So his team refused to work with Biden's transition team. So it was a little bit messy (laughs) this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it's it's probably yeah one of the rogue occasions where yes 
he broke he broke like all the traditions because he wasn't at the inauguration either yeah he didn't go to the inauguration he was never he wasn't there when the bidens came to the white house like normally the outgoing president and first lady are there to like greet the incoming president and like welcome them into the home and there's you know the obamas gave Donald and Melania Trump a gift, like a welcome gift as they welcomed them into the White House. But that was not the case this time around. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned there as well, like all the um, COVID stuff. Yeah. New York was badly hit back when it yes. first started. And I believe actually when we had Stephanie on, she mentioned either you weren't feeling well at the time or. I had already had it. Yeah. I had just gotten over it. But when she recorded with you guys, I had just gotten over it. I had it back in March of, of 2020, you know, I had it, it wasn't super bad. I did have a little bit of trouble breathing at the, you know, when I was sick and I definitely felt like shit, but it wasn't ever serious enough that I needed to go to the hospital. But the one thing (laughs) you hear a lot about people losing their sense of smell when they have COVID, I did lose my sense of smell at the time, but then after I recovered, probably like three or four months after I recovered, I lost my sense of smell a second time. And then it took, a, I don't know, a month or six weeks or something. And it, it eventually did come back again. And now, like currently right now, almost a year after I had it, I lost my sense of smell a third time. And now I'm dealing with something called, let's see, I think it's called like parosmia or something. I can't remember the yeah. exact term for it. But basically, my senses are distorted, and I smell a lot of s- smells that aren't actually there, like foods that should smell one way, smell like something completely different. Things, especially minty things and really herbal things like toothpaste. And um, I didn't even realize how much mint scented stuff I had in my life until <laughs> this started happening to me. But I, I use a, like a mint scented hand soap and dish soap and body wash. And all this stuff had mint and it all smelled really, really intensely like mildew to me. Like brushing my teeth made me want to vomit. It was so disgusting. And then things like coffee and chocolate and alcohol all smells really chemically and kind of gross to me. Mm. I've actually read quite a bit about it online. There's a lot of articles you can find about this, but a lot of people are having these same symptoms and people, for whatever reason, it's all bad smells, (laughs) but people are smelling like meat smells like chemicals and excuse me, paint and all sorts of like these really horrible, awful smells. And like people are just don't know what to do with themselves. So if you smell like chemicals, yeah, would it then smell like the opposite? Like, no, no, (laughs) it still Um, smell bad. When it first came back this now third time, at the same time that I was having these like distorted scents, there were also a lot of things that I couldn't smell at all. So the only smells that I could smell were these really awful, like mildew and chemical kind of smells. But eventually my sense of smell has started to come back, thankfully, but the bad smells haven't gone away. Was it just smell? Was it also taste? Well, your sense of smell sort of it's dictates. Like hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. They, they go hand in hand. So like my, my actual taste buds never changed. Like I can taste salty. I can taste sweet. I can taste sour. And I always could throughout all three of these times where I lost my sense of smell, those senses never went away, but you know, so much of what you think you're tasting actually comes from your sense of smell when you're eating things that, you know, flavors that you taste like chocolate and that kind of thing. It's actually coming from your sense of smell. Like because I, I haven't been in that situation. Like how, when you say you lose your like sense of sm- uh, smell, 
yeah. you can't smell anything. Like what? Like what? What, what does that feel like? It's I don't awful. Know if you can like explain, <laughs> as in, like what's it? What do you smell? Is it just nothing? Nothing. Like literally, like, like how the other day, I can open like a jar of of herbs or or spices or like garlic or something, and it smells like water. It smells like air. Okay. Like no smell whatsoever. So it's really, especially because I love food. I mentioned, you know, I I have a food blog and I love to cook and I love to drink. <laughs> I just didn't want to eat anything at all for a long time. And then, you know, because I could still taste like sweet and salty, I found myself like eating a lot of chips and, and like cookies and things that I could at least have some sort of sensation while I was eating them. So spicy food still kicked your mouth off because you can't smell necessarily smell it but like it would still burn also like it would still yes exactly that, that's so mess citrus i liked because i could taste like sour even though i couldn't actually taste that it was like a lemon or an orange i could at least get the sensation of like sourness on my tongue yeah, that's mad because I, I i'm like very picky with food so i like to find something i like and then i'll pretty much know that that's one of the go-to things yeah so i couldn't imagine not being able to smell some of the foods i like because a big part of it is smelling it so like yeah, well, that, exactly. Mate, I would feel so shit. I'm going <laughs> to... You could be less picky then if you couldn't smell it. You could just, <laughs> could just have anything. Me being picky means that a lot of things affect it, right? Like, I'm just like, I know what I like and I'm going to try find something that fits into it. I'll try something new. If it doesn't work, then fuck it. If it does, yeah. then that's added to it. But if you lose something that helps to dictate... For example, yeah, like, I can't... I pretty much can't eat fish or, like, go past a sushi place without nearly feeling like throwing up because I hate the smell of it so much, yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine being in that scenario. I know that I just wouldn't enjoy that kind of food. So I wouldn't have it, but then. But you can't taste it then. So Yeah, you wouldn't be you able to it. smell the fish at all. So <laughs> I think it's just, it would, I still have a mental block stopping yeah. me from having it, even if I couldn't smell it. I feel like there's just always that thing. I remember the second time that my sense of smell went away. You know, obviously I lost it the first time while I was sick, but then when it came back the second time or went away the second time, I didn't even notice it first. And then one day I was in the car with my husband and we were right behind a garbage truck and it was in the middle of the summer. And Russell was like, oh man, like that smells so fucking gross and rolled up the windows in the car. And I was like, it does like, (laughs) really? So I guess that's kind of one tiny benefit that you can't smell like gross stuff, but I would take the gross stuff over, you know, <laughs> along with the good things. That's crazy. After a, like a year, almost. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. It's been like 11 months since I was I haven't sick. really seen that like online or people yeah. mentioning that. I, I've done a lot of research myself on it just to be like, what is going on, you know? Yeah. And this is fairly not common, but it is known that this has yeah, happened to other happened. people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're glad you're okay and you recovered from it. Um, obviously, yeah, we hope you. the sense of smell thing. Um, so yeah, it is out. getting better. It is getting better. Most most things are back for me, uh, except for the smells that smell gross. And thankfully, those those smells are starting to get less intense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can still kind of smell mildew when I brush my teeth, but it's not nearly as bad as it was a few weeks ago. Okay, good. Well, how how do the cocktails on the? Not good. <laughs> We've recorded two episodes since this happened. And the first one was really, really hard for me to even like choke down. I, cause I couldn't smell any good smells at all. And alcohol, the only thing I can really smell when I take a sip of, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, whiskey or vodka or whatever, it just smells like rubbing alcohol to me. And like, there's none of the like nuance behind what 
it actually tastes like. All you can smell is like the burn. So it's been, it's been hard for me because I like to drink and I love, you know, these cocktails that we make, but thankfully it is getting better. So I hope that by the time we record next, I'll be able to drink again. Yeah. yeah. But I did talk about this on the show too. And we've had a few listeners that were like sending me these articles about like, there was this weird thing a few, I don't know if you've seen this, but there was this thing where people were saying that if you took an orange and burned it on the stovetop and then you mixed it with sugar, that it's supposed to bring your sense of smell back. So people were sending me articles on how to do this. I didn't try it, but then I read another article that were like, don't do that. It's stupid. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I would. Uh, I might be, if I was in that situation, I might be like, why not? Oh, but what if it does? Yeah, I'll just yeah. try anything. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what I have been doing, there's something called smell training where you can take these like essential oils. And my husband had a bunch because he has like a oil diffuser in the house. The four smells that they say to take are rose, rose oil, lemon oil eucalyptus and clove and you're supposed to smell them for like 20 seconds a piece and like close your eyes and imagine what a rose looks like and smells like and smell it for 20 seconds and you're supposed to do that like two or three times a day every day so i have been doing that and i don't know if it's actually helping or if i'm just getting better because i would have anyways yeah (laughs) but i'm like it can't hurt (laughs) so i'm doing it anyways yeah no fair enough I was going to say, yeah, it's cool, but it's, it's not, it's not that cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, I would not wish this on anyone. It, it sounds like, you know, when you think about if, if somebody was to ask you, like, you have to lose one, one of your senses, what sense would you lose? Most Ooh. people are like, oh, I'll lose my sense of smell. I don't really care about that. I want to be able to see, I want to be able to taste, but I don't care about my sense of smell. And it, really <laughs> makes a big difference, a bigger difference than you think it would. Surely the one you'd want to lose is maybe like touch. I don't know. I feel like that would... I don't know what sense is I, I think smell would have been my go-to. To get rid of. Yeah, but yeah, having been in that situation, would you say that's a, that's a I don't bad, know what I would one. choose, but it wouldn't be smell. <laughs> they're all, they all seem, they're all seem bad, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't want to lose any senses. I, yeah. You know, so... Hopefully now with this vaccine, we can, we can get people vaccinated and nobody else has to go through this anymore. I don't know. It's, it's not fun. I don't wish it on anyone. Yeah, uh, for sure. How is the like vaccine rolling out there? How is it sort of going? So I believe the UK is doing pretty good. Okay. Like in comparison to basically the rest of the world and like okay. a few other countries, like we, we seem pretty on top of the vaccine stuff. Like sure. I think we're expected to have maybe everyone over the age of 60 be vaccinated by mid-March, I think, okay. essentially, um, okay. which is, which is pretty good. Yeah. What about the US or in like particular? Oh, we're not, <laughs> we're not, you know, we had a real sort of serious lockdown way back in March of, of 2020, but we haven't had anything. The only thing that's really closed right now is, is uh, bars and restaurants. Right. But everything else is open. All, you know, retail is open. Like, like I was saying earlier, my husband's hair salons are open. The only thing that's being affected right now is, is restaurants. And now I just read that our governor is talking about trying to open restaurants back up again. Oh, really? Yeah. It's madness. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I've seen that like South African variant has been found in postcodes of Middlesbrough and Walsall here. So yeah. It says that yeah, there's there a lot of it here too. It's really scary. My husband's best friend lives in Homerton in London. 
but he was telling me that she, she said that like people will go and they'll get food for takeaway. And then they like go stand by a trash can in the park. Like they'll meet their friends in the park and like just stand around a trash can and eat their food. And then they leave because they can't go to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could imagine that. Imagine happening. I don't, I don't even think we're even supposed to meet. Yeah. yeah. We're not supposed to meet or anything here. So like basically in the local area. So literally like a two minute, I'd say walk. You'd see right outside the shop here that there's like in between like these drinking places, kind of like one drinking place. There'll mm-hmm. always be these few groups of like, I'm just going to say like, basically it's grouping up, drinking, eating about like, and literally yeah. like, I mean like a group of 10 or something. Yeah. Roughly like when I've seen my, on my night walks. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's just a black bin next to them, but like they're always like grouping up. They're either getting violent, drunk out their heads, like trying to start shit with Oof. others nearby. I'm just like, I'm like, come yeah. on. Just all you have to do is wait a few months like the rest of us and we'll all I be know. out together. You know, like it's not like we're going to be in lockdown forever. But the shit you're yeah. doing is prolonging our fucking lockdown. Exactly. If everybody just followed the rules and everybody stayed home, it could be over. Well, maybe not over, but it would be a lot better. I don't even think it's about rules. I think it's just common sense. Like people don't yeah, seem totally. to have it. Like, and it's so sad. That's why sometimes I wish I'm like, if I was in my local area, I feel like it would maybe look a lot better. But in yeah. my local area, I'm just surrounded by stupid people. Like, yeah. That's yeah. how I feel. Cool. Yeah. And anything else? Either for you? I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So we we end each episode with like some final questions, a call out, and then a shout out. We start off with final questions. First one is one thing you wish you would change in the world. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's a good question. I think if I could change any one thing about the world, I would try. I would make people more empathetic towards others, and and make people give people the ability to see things from somebody else's perspective. I think. A lot of the problems in the world, especially in America, but I'm sure worldwide, come from the fact that people don't try to see things from somebody else's perspective or don't care about somebody else. Things, you know, racism, things like homophobia, transphobia, income inequality, and even the the way COVID has been handled here, I think really comes down to the fact that people just don't give a shit about anyone but themselves. And I think that if I could change that, the world would instantly be a better place. No, yeah, I like that. Yep. And the second one is you're on death row. What's your chosen three course or five course meal with a drink? Let's see. I would do, I love food and I like, I like, you know, I like really fancy food. I like going out to fancy restaurants, but if it came down to my like last meal on earth, I would want like really old school Southern comfort food. I want like fried chicken. And buttermilk biscuits. I don't know if you guys have biscuits there in the way that we have them here. No, it's it's, it's a bit different. Yeah, like I know it's a biscuit different. there is sort of yeah. like a like a what we would call but, a cookie. When you say buttermilk, I've heard that Christian he was talking about this buttermilk southern fried chicken place somewhere yeah. in London, and he says it's got here. When we go there, you're not going to want to go anywhere else. So I'm like, <laughs> we'll go there one day. I don't know when, <laughs> but we'll go this. But I don't know what buttermilk southern fried chicken. I don't know what that you mean. So buttermilk is a, it's a cultured dairy product, kind of like a yogurt, but thinner. It's, it's an old school thing that we're like, when people would churn their own butter and make their own butter at home, you would let the butter or the, the milk and everything sit out for a little while and, and the natural cultures in it would sort of ferment it a little bit. And then you would separate the butter fat out, make butter with that. And then whatever was left over was called buttermilk. And it, it gets kind of thick in the way like, kefir 
is like a drinkable yogurt almost. It kind of tastes really nasty on its own, but it's really good for baking. It makes really good fried chicken. It makes really good biscuits uh, and really good cakes. Yeah. But a buttermilk biscuit, I think the closest that I can think of that you would have there, it's almost like a scone. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. Yeah. But it's like they're lighter and really, it's like super, super fluffy and buttery. Yeah. I also, unfortunately, I can't really taste it right now, but I love chocolate. So I would want to have chocolate cake with it. I was going to say any drink as well. I guess if it's my last meal, I want, I want a cocktail. I want like a whiskey, an old fashioned. Yeah. Awesome. Third and final question. This is one we ask every guest, the same okay. one. This is like kind of named after the show. Uh, what's been your most memorable third wheeling experience? So that could be if you fifth wheeled or seventh wheeled or <laughs> okay. it can be if you third wheeled or if someone else was third wheeled you, any, anything. I would say it's when I was younger. I remember when I was, I don't know, probably like 10 or so. I had an uncle who was, he was young. He was much younger than my mom. So he was closer to my age than he was to my mom, but he was older than me. He was probably like 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. And he had this girlfriend and I really liked her. And I thought she was so cool that I always wanted to be around whenever she was there. I lived, I lived right next door to my grandparents at the time and he lived with his parents. So I would spend all my time over there and he would have his girlfriend over and I'd be like, Oh, hi, Heather. And I would want to go up and be in the room with them when they were trying to hang out. And clearly my uncle is like, get the fuck out of here. I want to like make out with my girlfriend or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, like, let's listen to the spice girls. Let's, you know, <laughs> are they, are they still together? No, no, for forever. But yeah, I, I remember very distinctly being like, why doesn't, why is my uncle acting like he doesn't want me around right now? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, that's a, yeah, that's a funny one. And the next section is like a call out. It's like basically a nomination. You can nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on our podcast in the future. Is there anyone you have in mind? Yeah. So I have this friend, Philip, who is actually a, a drag queen in Dublin that goes by the name Victoria secret. Okay. Or just Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has another, a podcast too, with a, with another drag queen friend of his and their podcast is called petty little secrets. Oh, okay. And I think, I think he would be a really fun interview for you guys. I don't know. Victoria I don't know how much secret. you guys know about like gay culture and, and drag culture and that kind of thing. But I know that the UK has its own drag race now. So mm. Victoria has been trying to get on it, I guess, too. So. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that is, that, is, that is a hilarious set of play on words. I rate that. I rate that. High. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a lot of fun. I th and he has his own podcast, so he can talk. I think he would be a lot of fun for you guys to interview. Yeah. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll tag him in the, in the episode when we release it. Cool. And last bit is a shout out. So basically anything you want to, yeah, just tell okay. our listeners to like check out now and now's yeah. the time. I mean, this is, I guess, yeah. <laughs> selfish, but like we, I've already been talking about my own podcast, but if you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. Even if you hate history and, and think politics and history is boring, it's fun to listen to. And check out that movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, even though I haven't actually seen it yet. It looks really, really good. Hamish, anything? No, I've got a few songs. I'll just track them all onto the playlist. There's Cancelled by Slow Tie and Skepta. There's the Edna album, Judas by Heady One that just released recently. There's a song with JME featuring Frisco, Shorty, and a few others called The Beta Sound, and a P Money song called Trouble featuring Silencer. Cool. And I'm going to shout out basically just Stephanie's episode with us. So if anyone, any new listeners are listening, go check out Stephanie's episode as well. That's 
we talked about beyond approach on that as well and like we did some like uk versus us stuff and some mu we talked about music as well and like yeah a bunch of other stuff too yeah if you liked this go check that out too and yeah i think that's that's pretty much it thanks so much tux for coming on yeah thank you for having me this was a lot of fun no great and yeah hope everyone else enjoyed it and i guess we'll just speak to you next week great. all right uh, see you guys have a good day in a bit bye all right